Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chasing Edges podcast. I'm your host, Brian Peters. Got an absolute electric conversation for you today with Hannah Huseman. She is the mental performance coordinator for the Texas Rangers and the MLB, and that's where we live today. All things mental skills, uh, how available it is, the lowest hanging fruit, the cutting edge that it is, and that's where we start, building the armor between the ears. I've long been a believer that you should protect and train your mind the same way you protect and train the body, and so we start there, and then it bleeds into preparation, how to have a plan, how to become conscious of your thoughts both in good and bad or if you're even conscious at all in that sense and then it bleeds into a fun conversation about building awareness asking the right questions both to the person you're working with but also to yourself to generate a plan moving forward she gives us a lot of great starting points and application points particularly when looking for a mental skills coach somebody that vibes with you their qualities and so on and then it finishes out with a quick conversation of the spectrum of human performance where it, it, it crosses over into the first responders world and her work with uh, the New York Fire Department, which is super fun. But this is truly one of my favorite conversations to date, and I hope you enjoy. All right. Bam. Hannah, thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me today. I'm super excited to talk to you. I love all things mental skills, and that's been my rabbit hole the last like 18 months as I, I chase the books and chase all the the knowledge and the podcast and that kind of stuff. But uh, how how the podcast starts is uh, it's called Chasing Edges. Where in your life right now are you chasing edges, learning, growing? Oh, love that. Just right off the bat. Start off Boom. with a banger. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I was going to say it's a good rabbit hole that you're in right now. Um, I, I think I think what's cool about mental performance is if you're pursuing a career in mental performance right now, I'd argue you're chasing the edge um, mm-hmm. just because I think, and I've said this from the moment I got into the baseball world, it was like, you know, the higher you go, the more equipped players are from a physical standpoint and the the smaller the margin for error occurs, right? And and everybody's pretty equal. Like at the top level, everybody's really good. Like you don't get to the big leagues on a whim, you know? And so it's like, what is the edge? What is separating you? And it's like, who can bounce back from failure faster? Who can stay locked in when they need to stay locked in? Who is confident when nobody else is confident? And um, who can be, who can handle failure the best? And so I think, I think just talking about mental performance constantly is kind of chasing that edge. And I guess if you go really specific, it's still, and potentially always will be like creating buy-in on this with guys who may not need it yet. Um, and like, they're all really good, you know, and they haven't maybe experienced a ton of failure yet and you know, one day they're going to need it. And so it's like, how do you get them to buy into this from a really early stage before they arguably need it? Right. It's almost like when you're young and you have a good metabolism and you don't have to talk about eating right and all that good stuff. And then all of a sudden one day you're like, oh crap, I can't go eat McDonald's three times a day. Like I got to figure this out now. It's like, how can we teach it from an earlier standpoint? So I think just from chasing edges, it's not only mental performance alone, but it's how do we be as proactive as possible with this and like get guys to buy into mental performance as a whole before they actually need it. Because when you're really physically talented at a young age, like you just kind of run over the competition, like even high schoolers sometimes, like, I mean, the number one guy in the draft yesterday, or number three guy, I think out of high school is hitting like 646. Like, it's like, you know, you're not facing any adversity. And so it's like, how do we, how do we help you realize that one day you are going to be really stressed and one day you aren't going to be confident. And one day you're not going to, every six out of 10 at bats, you're going to get hit. You might be two out of every 10. And like, what do we do with that? And how do we prepare you for that moment without it being like a super negative experience, right? We're not trying to bring you down, but we're also 
I guess, kind of contingency planning. So I guess that would be my the cutting edge right now is how do we get guys younger and younger to start realize the sooner they they start to use this and utilize this, the better they're going to be long term. Oh, that's so juicy. I love that. Because um, yeah. I I think it makes the most logical sense. Like I saw I, I played in the NFL for a little bit and some other leagues, but you see the the small differences physically between guys, there's not a drastic difference between. And even at times, like I saw the less athletic guy be getting paid the most because because the the mind is such a separated decision-making, stress management, resilience, mental toughness, all these things. It's really just fast-paced decision-making and the ability to control yourself. But, and like, to your point, like, you can't be mentally tough and resilient if you haven't been exposed to stress, negativity, adversity, distraction, all those things. So it makes the most sense. It's like, uh, I think it's a JFK quote, like the best time to fix the roof is when the sun is shining. And so it's that preparation. And, but like, it's, I feel like, because I see it, it's, it's a struggle in football to talk mental skills. I think um, at least continuously and get to get buy-in because you get a lot of guys that it's not, it's some of it's ego, but it's also just lack of awareness in the realm of what, like these mental skills and tools really are so i think so what what's some of the stuff you've seen uh be effective with implementing to like a group like a team whether it's the rangers the phillies the pirates all those people under your belt yeah yeah i I think i think you hit the nail on the head when you said it kind of all stems around awareness right something i always say is you can't grow if you don't know so if an athlete doesn't know that they're really negative in their own way, in their own head, then it's going to be hard for us to help them, right? It's like, as much as I think mental performance coaches think they can read minds, um, and so I, and I'm like, nine times out of 10, I think I nail it, but it's, it's not necessarily me knowing what they're thinking, it's them knowing what they're thinking. And so not just what they're thinking, but when they're thinking it, and then the consequences of those thoughts. And like, that's a lot to process if you actually think about that. But so when it comes to all of that, it's, just coming down to awareness. And when somebody's like, I don't really know what I'm thinking about, that's a yellow flag for me, right? It's like, I have to figure out a way to help you figure out what you're thinking about. And maybe it's just like paying a little bit more attention. Maybe it's having a conversation before the game. Hey, let me know what you're thinking about or giving them something to think about. Because the reality of it is, I don't think you can ever not think about something. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, You thought about something to get you into that flow state, right? And even that flow state, you're thinking about, dominating or winning or whatever your terminology is, you're still thinking about something. And it's, I think sometimes we get into the danger zone when we get into like, I don't really think about anything. And then you just kind of let your mind wander and do whatever it wants to do under high stress, high pressure situations. That's not usually very good. Um, So I think, I think it's just a matter of creating that awareness. And I think what you can do is you can talk about certain experiences that even if you're really, really good, you've experienced, whether it's striking out, um, not preparing to the best of your ability. I mean, you can even use like a classroom example, right? What happens when you don't study for a test and you walk in and the teacher's like, we have a test, right? And everybody can relate to that, right? Your heart starts racing, your palms start sweating, you start freaking out. You almost forget your name. You don't even know how to write your name, right? Because you're so panicked. And it's like, you can relate that to like the same thing's going to happen on the baseball field when you're not prepared. So you're not really saying you've never been not prepared, but you're just giving them an analogy to transfer something that they've experienced, that negative emotion, that negative reaction, that panic, stress, whatever you want to call it, 
and relating that to the baseball world. And then you can also say, what's the opposite? When you know you have a test and you've prepared, you walk in your chest out, you're laughing, you're joking. You're like, give me this pet test. I'm ready to go. You know? And it's like, imagine having that feeling on the baseball field, right. Or, or attempting to have that feeling, even when you're under high pressure, high stress situations, because I think guys talk about it a lot, right. It's really hard to emulate game-like scenarios. And I, I never pretend to think that we can emulate it to the nth degree, right? But I think we can get darn close and and thinking about things like the test example, and then like maybe using an ice bath to create stress and having them learn how to breathe throughout an ice bath, whatever it is, you know, I think that's where we can create the buy-in because it's really hard to argue with those analogies. So it's giving them real life examples, real life scenarios, and then transferring it into the baseball world. And like, guys, uh, most of you should have experienced this. If you haven't, you know, you probably can't argue that it's going to happen. So why not go ahead and equip yourself for that moment? Yeah, it's just the, because the awareness, the consciousness, the mindfulness, all uh, kind of gets a bad, not, not, I won't say awareness and consciousness, but the mind full word kind of has a negative connotation at times because it's, oh, that's yoga, that's meditation and that kind of thing. When really it's just like, for guys in those scenarios, like it's really hard to solve problems with the same level of consciousness or like decision-making that created the problem. And if they've never experienced the problem, it gets really interesting that you have to draw thoughts in general into their awareness. And like, cause I look at flow is such a a fun concept too, in that sense where I see like connection, but that's not just connection to the environment. That's connection to your thoughts as well. And it's, it's, it is a movement. It's a, this short term memory, magical place where you're just in it. And you, yeah. you, some, some people can explain it. Some people can't, but like a lot of guys seek a preparation process to get there or try and mimic what ha- worked last time or troubleshoot and that, in that same capacity. But I love what you're doing as far as obviously I'm a, I'm a sucker for the ice tub and the breathing. I think they're all just tools. Like I, I, I don't think breathing's anything exotic. I just think it's, and your mental skills were the same reason I'm intrigued, massively intrigued by mental skills. Cause I, I used the breathing to solve some of my overthinking problems on the football field. And it was just like, okay, get out of your head, get into your body because you can solve some of your psychology with your physiology, but it is a two way. It's a heavy two way street where like that's because I have good physiology doesn't mean I have good defense between my ears. So I need mental skills to, again, because I can think myself into bad physiology, like same as the test analogy, same as thinking about something bad happening in your life, whatever it ends up being. So it makes sense like this two way street to be incredibly dialed, whether or not you need it yet is the hard part to like force feed some dog, like some studs, because but it just like, I mean, you look at, I mean, every great player that played baseball, like everybody experienced a slump every, and then it's such a failure based sport, like baseball, such uh, they're, they're, they're probably the I'd guarantee uh, maybe golf, but like the biggest mental sport. Would you agree with that as far as like mental training and awareness? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think golf, baseball, and tennis are usually the ones that are up there. Um, and I think it's just because a combination of both the team and an individual sport at times, and also so much downtime, like football, it's like, go, 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 go. Like you, you don't, the only time you have is time to get ready physically, right. And to know what you need to do and how you need to do it. Um, whereas baseball, there's so much downtime, you know, if you actually break down, I, I, I read something 
a couple years ago that was like in a three hour game. I think there's like 17 ish minutes of actual action during a baseball game. So it's like, what are you doing with the other two hours and 43 minutes, you know, on average? Um, and, and all those 17 minutes aren't your action. You know, some of those you're on the bench, some of those, it doesn't even like a ball didn't come your way, whatever it is. Um, but I think you made a good point on the two way street, you know, and I think the biggest separator of this is, you can't make it to the NFL or to the MLB without physically working. And so that's a no brainer. I think a lot of people do think you can get there without work training your mind. Um, and the reality of it is like, maybe you can, but maybe that's going to hold you back or maybe you won't have as long as a, uh, of a career as you wanted to, or maybe you won't be able to enjoy it more. If you talk to anybody who's been in the NFL or the M- MLB and they were there for a long time, usually one of their biggest regrets is they didn't enjoy the ride as much as they wanted to. Like they just didn't fully, it was always like they were upset about something. Nothing was good enough, all this stuff, which on one hand is really good. And we need that. That's what I think makes people great. But on the other hand, it's like, could you imagine like having a 10, 12 year career in professional football or baseball and hating it? Like that sucks. Like you're, it's supposed to be the most happy time of your life and you do have good memories, but like to fully enjoy it, I think that's a mental skill too. Um, so I think it can impact you in a lot of different ways. I just think it's not as obvious of a skill yet as the physical part. So everybody knows that physiology can impact all these other things, but the psych part of it, I think we are becoming more and more aware, which is in the very beginning why I said, I think that's the cutting edge. I think more and more people are starting to realize holy hell, this is something I can actually practice and implement and do something about and control instead of just like kind of hope it's there or hope it's not, or you're born with it or you're not like, absolutely not. It can all be trained. Um, and it's just really cool to see more and more people kind of seeing that and noticing that and, and taking advantage of mental skills, practice and, and strategies and all that good stuff. Yeah. I, lo- I love that. Just because I, I I'm a firm believer just because it, it hit so hard with me when somebody told it, but like hope is not a tactic. And like, because the mind is so subjective as like the thought patterns and how short term everything is that like hope can never be a tactic. Like it's the same as like, you can't like, don't pray for the answers to the test you didn't study for. <laughs> like, totally. and I, and I hate that. And it's like the lottery and all these things where it's just like, everybody's hoping for this magical switch to get out of life. But like the mind, cause like I have some of my athletes, I coach one-on-one journal like extensively and I, we use it to like do visualization practice. And so we can always go back and pull from different things. But like, if you don't know what's going on and like your thought pattern the day before, you don't know if it's improving. And so like, obviously we track breathing and sleep and all that stuff too. But I think like the subjective experience of what we're talking about, this separator and this armor that's between your ears is really like, I, I truly believe it is, it is the cutting edge in that aspect because it's just so particularly in football just because like i'm uh, that's more football and hockey are more my world right now in that sense but it's just it's such a low-hanging fruit where like the baseline of resilience because like to your point i've 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 played with i've experienced i've coached i've talked to so many athletes that like have that same line like i wish i would have enjoyed it more and it's easy to look hindsight 2020 because like that friction does make greatness like, okay, there's no complacency. I always got to be learning training, those kind of things, but you're training the body on repeat. And there's only so much you can get there when really the best players to the point of like looking at a room of the same position, they're all, they all look pretty similar. It's mm-hmm. between the ears that is the separator and it's okay. Fast paced decision-making, which is what baseball in essence kind of is obviously there's body and reaction and that kind of thing. But if you, I always try and break down the logic. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts here because like, 
so much of it is just like it's so thoughtless, mindless, and that concept where, like, if you look at the concept of like, okay, if you had a bad game or you like you're having a whatever uh, a bad at bat, like it's okay to beat yourself up a little bit, just put a clock on it. But now, if you look at like the the positive side of the sport, because nobody plays a perfect game, even a perfect game in baseball, there's balls, whatever. In my opinion, I think perfect's a terrible word in sports, <laughs> but and mental skills and all those kind of things, because it's mostly unattainable. But say you had a really good game, but obviously you're neg- you're negative about one player, a missed tackle or a strikeout, whatever it ends up being, and then you end up beating yourself up because of that one negative thing. You're beating yourself up on both ends of the spectrum, and that's not a way to enjoy the the sport. And the the guys that I've seen be successful in the mental skill game, they've found a way to have that short term memory either way, because it shouldn't no matter what happened, it shouldn't influence the next play, shouldn't influence the next game. And then now, like, okay, they make a game. Most of them make a game out of like all the minute details of training or body maintenance and that kind of thing. And they're like literally just playing a game the whole time, like. Well, I had one guy like give himself points, like he tracked points in his journal for like, oh, foam rolling five points, uh, PT, d- dry kneeling, whatever it ends up being. I just think that um, that view on it is just it just needs to be understood because if not, guys just again, mindfully just go down that negative rabbit hole and it's tough for them to get out. I'm sure you deal with that a decent amount. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, the first thing that comes to mind hearing that is it's so normal and it's so natural, mm-hmm. like we as humans are literally wired to notice the worst things possible. And, you know, if we're not in war right now, like we're in war with our sport. And so it's like the worst thing that could happen to me today is I strike out, you know, which how blessed we are that that's the worst thing that could possibly happen to us today, you know, but still like that's in our mind, that's the worst thing that could happen. And so one, I'm either going to think about that before it's going to happen because that's how we're wired. Like our, our brains are, we have brains for one reason and one reason only, and that's literally to survive. Like our brain's main purpose is to survive. That's why I say when we get too hot, our brain tells our body to start sweating, right? We're coming back to homeostasis or we get too cold. We start to shiver. Like our brain is controlling all of that. It's kind of amazing, right? Or even like when you get hypothermia and your blood comes all the way to your, like, that's amazing. Like what our brain can do. It's also telling us to steer clear of the danger, right? Which it's it's not like a bear running at us, but it's like you're putting yourself out there to lose, to make a mistake, to be embarrassed, to fail, all of those things. And your brain's naturally going to tell you don't do that or run away from it. And so I think that's where the the negative negativity comes in. Or even if a guy goes three for four and they only focus on the one negative, right? That's natural. And so I think what we have to do. And the conversation I have over and over and over again with guys is like, you're naturally going to notice all of the negative things like pregame, during game, post game. Like we don't need to work on that. Like that's just for the most part, like every now and then you'll get the guy who only notices all the positives and it's kind of the opposite, which is really fun to work with. And a really good reminder that we're working with humans and everyone's different. Right. But for the most part, um, everybody's really focused on the bad, um, or where they are lacking or what could possibly be lacking. And so it's, it's such a fascinating concept when you're talking about post-game, it's like, yeah, you can come up with 87 things you did wrong or could get better on how many good things can you come up with? And if you do that exercise with yourself, with your players, with your coaching staff, watch, like watch how easy it is to notice the worst over the good. Like, and then you're like, all right, tell me something good you did today. I've had guys stare at me for minutes on end and I'm like, we got nothing like, but it's, it's not that there wasn't any good. It's that they couldn't notice the good. And like, even 
my husband and I just celebrated our five-year anniversary the other day and we were dying laughing because we went to dinner and I was like, let's think of the best moment of the last five years and the worst moment of the five, the last five years. Immediately, we both had the worst. Like we knew what our worst ones were. And of course there were a ton of good, but it took us a little bit longer to come up with the good. And I just think, again, that's such a good reminder. So we have to be super incredibly intentional about finding the good right? That's why you hear stuff like hunt the good stuff, go like seek it out. Don't just like hope, hope to see it. And it's such a dangerous slope too, because right. Then you have false positivity and false Bravo that come in there and you're like, Oh, everything's fine. No, that's not what we're talking about. Right. I'm talking about like really breaking down, like maybe you did strike out your first at bat, but your second at bat, you stuck to your plan, you executed your plan. And maybe the result wasn't what you wanted it to do, but you were able to stick with your plan, even after experiencing failure with that same plan. Like that's a beautiful win, you know? And so, but to really think about that and process that is intense and that's a mental skill. And I think that's where we often miss is we notice all the bad and we very rarely notice the good, or we just think the good is the expectation. And the reality of it is when we think the good is the expectation, that's where, that's what could potentially trigger burnout too, right? Is like nothing you ever do, you're praising, nothing you ever do, you're happy about. It's either like, mediocre or really bad. And it's like, that's a recipe for disaster, right? You're never going to, you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to be proud of yourself. You're not going to be having fun. And it's like all of those things, if you really think about it, are aspects of people playing their best and being their best and like having a blast. And so it's, and I always say this too, as a disclaimer, like I'm not talking about like running into the clubhouse or into the locker room after a game and being like, did you see me? Did you see me? Check me out. Like I'm the man, I'm the guy, whatever. I'm just talking about like at the end of the day, when you're brushing your teeth, looking yourself in the mirror, like, are you able to be like, hell yes, I did what I wanted to do today. Like, I'm really proud of X, Y, Z. I can't believe I did this. How did I even do that? Like have your own personal moment. Like the only thing that matters is that you are noticing the good. Like, yes, other people will notice it too. But like, if you don't notice your own good, that's when it can get a little messy. And I mean, when I tell you, I see this all the time and I've had this conversation a million times, I can't talk about it enough. I really can't because again, we're all going to notice the bad, but it actually takes a lot of work to notice, acknowledge, and like let the good soak in and actually impact you. What a cool nuance. I, uh, I haven't heard it articulated that cleanly. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. Cause I, cause I run it. Cause like with the physiology stuff, you realize how human we are and mm-hmm. i always like tell guys that are negative and things like that like your humans just being your human like the bear bite is now a strikeout or a missed tackle and that kind of thing so okay let's just resolve and reason through it i always just try and make the simplest logic and demystify everything where it's like okay our body only speaks life and death really okay what's life and death now well, that's winning and losing or looking good and looking bad and so okay can't like but i've never like because i always just say like optimism is a superpower so like where can we pursue the positivity obviously no like ego is a dangerous line but like that's not what i'm talking about i think like optimism in a short-term memory just make the most sense to me for basically like stumbling upon some variant of peace and happiness (laughs) just because yeah because like that's the that's pursuit but like um i mean you you had so many because i i really do like to hunt the good stuff because it's such a a human nature thing to enjoy the negative. It just makes the makes the most sense to me. And so as far as like introing guys to these these conversations, do you get to like present and give like this like kind of like warning to guys and like, hey, like 
this is what I do. This is these, this is the magic like this, like I know you might not need it yet. Do you get a chance to kind of like shock people and understand? Cause like as an athlete, like that was never presented to me. Like our sport, our sports psych lady came up at the beginning of training camp in Houston and said, Hey, I'm the sports psychologist. Like if you want to see me and cut my offices here. And like, that was that. And like, we, oh. we had a, yeah, yeah, I know. And it, and it, it breaks my heart because like I've recently been shocked harder into the mental skills world. And I go all like, and I just, some of my breathing coaching bleeds into life coaching. And it's like, th- these are just like the basic stoic logic or like literally just understanding of life and you're human that like make the most sense. And it's just like, yeah. yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I had a very similar experience in college. We had, I think it was actually a clinical psychologist. I don't even remember come out like my freshman year, um, to our softball team and, um, was like, take this assessment. If you want the results, come see me. And I never saw him again. Like, cause I I mean, like I, I didn't feel like I really needed it and I didn't love the vibe. And I think that is like what got to my soul. And then when I eventually took my first sports psychology class, I was like, holy shit, this is what it is and what it could be. This is not what I experienced. And so I think that's a firm foundation of what I tread lightly when I say this, but what like can potentially separate certain mental performance coaches from other mental performance coaches is there's, there's this whole aspect of knowing all of this knowledge. And there's, and there's this whole other aspect of giving this knowledge in a way that an athlete loves, wants more of like, I I'm constantly joking about making mental performance. Cool. Like, because there is a factor of that. Like I get it. We were athletes there's swag. We want to look good. We want to feel good. We want to be cool. And so if we're making this, this like monumental, like only bad thing, then we're not going to flourish in it. And like both the approaches that we had experience with is like, kind of like, if you need me, come get me versus like as a Texas Ranger or as a um, Houston Texan, whatever you are, you're, if you're a part of us, you're going to be a part of mental performance. Just like you go to the athletic training room, just like you go to the strength and conditioning room, just like you meet with a dietitian, like all of these entities to make you great is what we believe in. And so you're like destigmatizing it from the get-go, but then also as a mental performance coach, you're getting up there and you're being smart about how you're introducing this content. Like my first talk, if I go over 15 minutes with the big league team, something's wrong. Like Hmm. no chance because also do any of us want to sit and listen to somebody? I mean, maybe like, maybe we do because we kind of nerd out about this stuff, but like if you really think about their attention span, all the work that they want to get done, and maybe this isn't exactly where they want to be in this moment. How do you make it to where they like it? They're interested. And maybe you like plant a seed to have a conversation with them later. So you don't use the full 30 minutes or an hour, whatever time slot you're given to like try to give them as much information as you can. You try to pique their interest to create more conversations later. At least that's my approach. When you're like with a team fully like in there, you like get in, get out, make it cool, make it fun, make it something they're not absolutely dreading coming to, right? Playing music in the beginning. If you have some kind of game or activity or something to get them laughing, even better because you like the walls come down and then you hit them with a brief message and then you get out. And you're like, guys, you know where my office is. Let's talk about it. And like, if you if you know this is a strength of yours, sick. If you know this is a weakness of yours, sick. Come talk to us. Like, this is what we're here for. Um, and it's just, it's it's so important of like, how do we get in front of them? So yes, to answer your long-winded question, yes. We try to get in front of them in spring training, present the major ideas. Like, you know, this year our themes were around 
areas of weakness we saw in last year. And we were like, here's where I think we can be better. And so you plant these seeds that are really deeply thought out. And then you hope it leads to more one-on-one conversations because you just realize also when you're talking to a whole room, you have a whole different level of people in there. You've got the veteran who's making $32 million a year. And you've got the rookie who's never been to a big league camp. And so it's like one guy's got his note and journal ready to go. And one guy could care less. Like it's just a wide variety. And so you like, how do we help the people who are really, really interested, but also the people who it's the last place they want to be at, how do we respect them too? You know? And so it's like taking all of these things into consideration to make it like something people aren't like dreading going to is a huge aspect of what this is. And like, I'm I'm full of energy. I'm incredibly confident in how I carry myself because I think we have to be as mental performance coaches. If I walk in and I'm shy and mumbling and you can't really hear me, I'm out, right? Like even me sitting in the crowd, I'm like, what does this person know, right? Like I'm a harsh judger. And I think that's probably where this all stems from is I'm really, really sensitive in how we're relaying this information and how we're giving it to them. Because I think there is such a fine line between giving them content to give them content and giving them content to actually connect and create um, those relationships and the future conversations, which is actually where the impact comes from. So in a perfect world, yes, you're getting in front of them. You're telling them about certain things that you know they're going to face this year um, that they can't, again, going back to the original point that they can't really argue with. Like, you know, you're going to be tired this year. You know, there's going to be family stressors this year. You know, we're going to lose some games this year. You know, you're going to have some bad games this year. So how are you handling it? And then it's like, hmm, I don't really know. And then like, hopefully you start that conversation. You know, it's things like that where you put them in a spot where it's really hard to argue. And like, sometimes that's hard to do because, and like, I, I will argue with myself day in and day out to be like, what could they possibly say to this? You know, so I'm prepared going into that for anything that they could possibly say, but it's kind of the same thing we're telling them, right? How prepared are you? How short and simple can you give this information? And how much can you make them want it and seek it out? Because the reality is you can't really force it. So they have to come wanting and asking for it. And if they aren't, then that's a telltale sign that we're not doing something right, you know? Yeah, but that I think that's dynamite because I completely agree. Like the how you deliver a message, like even just through our conversation so far, the ability to storytell, connect, use analogies and examples mm-hmm. to basically illustrate probably the most important thing is like the negativity bias and then the preparation i like i like i'm a again i'm just a sucker for quotes and that kind of thing but like like one of the the things that hit me hard i, I heard this probably like 2017 or something like that because i heard it before a game with that where i wasn't confident and it's like if you fear competition you're fearing your own inadequacy and most of my inadequacy came from preparation like la- that's where my doubt was and it's like okay mm-hmm. now i always have to over prepare because if i ever fear competition i know what the chink in the armor is like if I was playing hurt or anything, it's a different story, but like that right. made more sense. But like how, again, just to get the hook into guys one, I think the awareness is awesome to like, okay, 15 minutes is like, that's my, that my threshold. Because again, the same, I've seen another sport psychologist with a different team, where it's like an hour and 15 minute presentation, we covered a bunch of different topics and, and then, but all the other one, all the other ones, like it, I think it, most of the other teams, it was a clinical psychologist where the guys feared working with them because, oh, are, is she going to tell the coaches that if I'm struggling and it's like never appear weakness. And now you get like the whole me- like the men's mental health concept where it's like, oh, I have to have all the answers. I have to be strong. There's no weakness. They'll cut me, blah, 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 blah. And so I think that like the just the general approach makes the most sense where it's like 
And then, and then now if you deliver the right message, like I, like you have my take just like, cause I didn't even know about the negativity bias when I was playing for the most part. So it's like, like just understanding that, okay, I'll come talk to you and understanding that it's like an accepted mental practice and it's a skill, same as nutrition and strength training and just illustrating that that the separators between the ears should be super logical for guys. And like, I just think logic always wins and to that. So, cause like with the breathing stuff, I always, I make the point that, cause again, I don't think, I think breathing is an awesome advantage. If you know how to understand it, it's a remote, it's a remote control and you can dump CO2 and do all that stuff for aerobic capacity. Awesome. That's the tool, but it's just giving in the, and basically the chaos of competition, which is what makes the sport awesome is uncertainty. Who's going to win, who's going to lose, what pitch is coming, all those kind of things. Guys want more autonomy, like agency over their state or their, their mind and everything. So it makes more sense to, okay, that's why I thought breathing was cool, but like the breathing, how I articulate it initially is like, Hey, after this presentation, hopefully you can no longer be a victim of bad physiology. Now that like, you can choose to be ignorant with it ignorant to it but like to your point with the mental skills practice the same messaging where it's like okay can we get these tools and these understandings and these perspectives and all these skills in front of them and show them the logic that like this is happening whether you want it want it to or not and if you don't have a plan if you don't have the tools you're a victim if now like we can start to build some buy-in and some understanding where i just think I'd make it just, I see so many parallels in how I coach breathing to how you're approaching your mental skills. And I think that's freaking savage just yeah. because, um, so, so, uh, as far as like, uh, working with the guys and stuff, so you, do you work primarily one-on-one then after like the presentations and that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. The, the vast majority of our work is definitely one-on-one. Um, we, we still try to do presentations about once a month, um, with all the different affiliates, just so if we don't have a one-on-one conversation with a guy, they're still getting exposure to mental performance in some way, shape or form. Um, but yes, most of the work where you're really getting down dirty and, and getting personal and making a plan for them specifically to follow, um, is definitely one-on-one work. All right. Awesome. So like yeah. as as far as like action stuff for for the listeners and everything, if if an athlete or a human's interested in mental skills training, one, like what should they look for in a human that's coaching them? Because like, like I know about the CMPC and all that stuff, but like is yeah. like what in that world should they look for? And then where would do you kind of like start them out if that's uh, or like starting points? I know yeah. everybody, everybody's different, but yeah, such a good question. And that's kind of what I was going to say is, you know, I guess before you go on a search for a mental performance coach is what are you looking for? Like, and like who, what kind of person are you? Are you a more analytical person who needs a more analytical based mental performance coach? Are you a um, kind of goofball and want somebody fun and loud? Like I, I think matching personalities is important because you have to find someone that you're going to be genuinely interested to listen to and talk with. Um, because if it's something that's forced on you from your parents or your coach or whoever it is, it's just not going to be the same. And there's a ton of mental performance coaches out there and not like, I'm not for everybody and that's okay. And not everybody likes my style. A lot of people do. A lot of people don't like, that's okay. Um, so it's really just finding like, go, go look at their social media. If you like what they put out, give them a chance and, and just realize, I think going into it, it's all on you. Like if you want it and want to get better through mental performance, you can, if you don't and don't want it and are going to fight like hell to not want to do it, then you're not going to make, you're not going to have the impact or get the impact from it that you would want to get out of it. So I would just try to find, figure out like what kind of personality you want to work with and who do you think would be a good fit. And then 
I mean, as far as where to start, like I am through and through when it comes to like building awareness, like you got to figure out who you are. You got to figure out how do you act when things are going well? How do you act when things aren't going well? How do you handle failure? Um, how's your relationship with your teammates? How's your relationship with your coaches? You know, it's really pointing the mirror back at you is where I would start. And I absolutely understand that is not a fun process for some of us, for most of us, right? Because there are things we want to get better at that maybe we've been avoiding, right? Well, a couple of my teammates don't like me. Well, do we know why they don't like me? Like maybe I'm doing things that I don't want to admit, or maybe I'm not even aware of the things I'm doing, or maybe I am, and I'm just denying it. And it's, it takes a lot of vulnerability, um, a lot of honesty and a lot of like gut searching. But once you get to that baseline, okay, here's who you are both as a person and a performer, then there's nowhere to go, but up. So now we know your strengths, we know your weaknesses, and we can start to put a plan together to help you be better in all ways, shapes, and forms. And I think when you're talking to your mental performance coach, if they're only talking about helping you on performance on the field, you're doing a disservice because I think really good mental performance coaches can help you on and off the field. And if I'm doing my job well, we're going to help you perform better, but we're also going to help you be a better person. Um, and those are my favorite texts to get like years later after working with guys are like, I'm a dad now, or I just got married, or I just was in traffic for three hours and everybody was pissed, but I was calm. And it was because of you and like things that we've talked about in the past. Like those are the things that I think like we got to impact these people way deeper than a performance standpoint. And I think when you do, you actually end up impacting their performance more than you ever probably could have. So um, try to find somebody who's also looking after who you are as a human, not just as a performer. And for all the mental performance coaches out there, you should be doing that (laughs) if you're not. So, yeah. No, I completely agree. I think that's uh, well. like first, first thing I heard is like, the use of questions to establish a baseline, because like, I think quite like, obviously, I, I think questions are incredibly powerful. Like like when I have guys do some journaling and stuff, like one of the base uh, bits I do is like, who are you? Who do you want to be? And what are you doing about it? Just to start to establish like some, some level of purpose and what you're willing to struggle for, but also like you have systems and action in place, but like, that's just like a kind of like a reminder. So some guys don't get complacent, but like questions and like, really just like what stress you out and playing the why game as I have some guys do that, just because I just think questions in that aspect, like, I mean, you just listed seven questions that are dynamite and it's okay. Like, can I answer those questions? And I like the journal because it's like nobody else is going to see it. Like, just be ridiculously honest, like learn what your word is worth, your handwriting looks like, all that kind of stuff and establish as much value there as possible. And then, okay, because like I just you see masks and you because it's just part of the the locker room is to like try and be someone you're not, even if you're like striving to be something. I just think that rootedness and understanding your baseline of where am I at right now? And then being vulnerable, vulnerable enough to ask for help and actually do the work and not just like vent and literally show up there and do the work, I think is really special. So I think that the the format's awesome just because I, I truly like with even with breathing, like like same as you articulated, like helping you in life as then as opposed to like just targeting performance. Like I see that trap and breathing all the time. Hey, how, how can I improve performance? How can I improve performance? Well, if I can't breathe right at rest or sleep and all those things, I'm never going to breathe right in performance. So I have no fundamental knowledge of, and if you, in the mental skill of like who I am outside of performance and the small adversities and all those kind of things. So I think human performance is the foundation of high performance. So the mental skill makes the most sense to 
master my human that's going to be doing that stuff again 23 hours of the day as opposed to the hour of training or the game and stuff i just think I, I love your system i love your approach and perspective i'm you're hyping me up <laughs> <laughs> good that's that's the goal again i i wrote this down too because i think one of the things that you should look for and i love it it's one of my favorite things when a guy says like yeah you get it you get it you know it's like you have to get it to get them like, and by it, I mean like the entire concept of what they're going through and like, they're going to struggle. And like, even when they don't want to admit it and you can admit it for them, they're like, Oh, like you're saying the things that maybe they don't want to say, and they don't want to face. And it's like, you do understand it. And like, I think to completely understand it, you have to get your feet wet in the world that they're trying to experience. And if you don't, then you better be wide open on like, I'm not hundred percent sure about how the sport works. You know, I've worked with a couple of soccer players in the past and I'm like, I, this is the one sport I know nothing about. Right. And instead of trying to do it, I'm open and letting them teach me. I worked with a surfer one time from Brazil and like, she was amazing. And it was actually like figuring out what is she even talking about, you know, but it's not trying to pretend to not know it. But then when she says something, then you can kind of relate it. So it's kind of like this. And they're like, yeah. And again, it's like, she gets it, she gets it. How can I get them? How can I get what they're doing? And then once you get that, then all of a sudden, once they realize you get it and you're there for the right reasons, like, it, it just pours out of them. Right. And like, they, they're going to tell you the things that you were like, I didn't even think to ask that. Right. But it's because you are meeting them where they're at and you understand the world that they're in. And then all of a sudden vulnerability falls into place. So I, I think don't lose sight of that either. Like, am I doing everything I can to fully understand what they're going through and who they are? And then like, if you're like, yeah, yeah. If you see them being like, yes, exactly. Or yes, you get it. Or you understand. And like, you know, you're on the right track. Yeah, I think that's what a yeah. Well, it's like self awareness as as a coach and a practitioner in that sense. And I didn't. I I learned. I got it. I got reminded of it heavy a little over a year ago. I, I started doing some manual therapies like fascial release and be activated with Douglas. See all these things where it's like even as like a manual practitioner, like you, the angle you're working on and all these stuff is conserving your energy. And if you don't take care of yourself, you you can't deliver the right energy, the right treatment, all those kind of things. It shows up in a really cool way. But like as far as like what I think the I get it point is like that connection, like you like the vulnerability to say, I don't know, or ask questions and be super yeah. transparent. I think that's such a slept on leadership quality as far as like a coach, like because um, what was I just heard, I just read the quote yesterday. My guy, Bo Donovan out in V23 Athletics in Denver, he said, coaches aren't meant to be the origin of information. They're the vessel. And mm -hmm. so like saying like, you know, it all and like mm -hmm. and ha having all the answers and because you see, like I, I, I've had some military guys on here that articulated it beautifully where like you can't have ego in the military and act like, you know, something you don't know. And because the cost is life and death. Yeah. And you it goes into the gray area in sports because oh, it's winning and losing ball and strike like a little bit less of like a, a cost of of ego and bravado where it's like because I really don't think guys have a lot of mental skills, grit and different life experiences have given people different levels of positivity and negativity and resilience and all these things. Yes. But at the end of the day, if like you like, cause I think I read mind gym in like 2012 or something like that mm -hmm. back in the day. And I was just like, Oh, of course I should train my mind. Like I trained my body, like simple logic, but I really don't think a lot of guys work on the skills because I, I didn't hear of anybody working with a mental skills coach, like one-on-one, -on -one, but I hear guys say, oh, I have this acupuncturist, functional masseuse. I, I have my IVs like based off of my blood work. I have all these things. Awesome. Yeah. 
yeah. but you, you're missing like low it's yeah. I, it's not even low-hanging fruit like it's just blatantly illuminating skills that are, are yeah. left left out there so again you're spreading the good word but i just think the importance of that is is dynamite and how you again even just with the the questions and the baseline and the i i just think i think the reach of mental performance is again just scratching the surface right now and so it's cool that you like that you still consider that the edge even though you, i guess you've been in the industry for probably a decade or more but another other another direction i wanted to go there too um uh because uh what is uh sports strata you you that's how you say that right uh, uh i saw you worked with uh the new york uh police department correct yeah um fire department fire department all right sorry my bad yeah. uh but yeah but uh was that kind of a similar like oh you like ask enough questions till you get it and then now you get to like coach your face off kind of deal like what was because there's there, there's a bunch of first responders and military guys that listen so um anything there that kind of stood out as as far as like the awareness or the the intro into the the world yeah um gosh it's some of my favorite work to do i still work with them to this day um yeah, they're just like, well, so if you know anything about the fire world, right, they're like the epitome of it. They're like the best of the best because they're working in the city of New York, which is literally insane. Like the, the working conditions that they have to go through is unbelievable. And like you talk about high stress and breathing and taking um, tactical pauses and like all this stuff. And and it was so cool because you also have a group of like legendary firemen and lieutenants and officers and all this stuff. And they're in a room being so incredibly vulnerable. Like how could we be even better? Like they are the epitome of like, they've never really had, nobody's really talked about this. They talk about leadership to a certain extent. Um, and they do insane amounts of tactical training, right? Like that, just like in sports, right. They do all the physical training and like, they even like lift really heavily and like do all these things. And, but they've like just totally neglected the, the mental side of it. And you get like lieutenants and colonels talking about what they did a long time ago, right. And how the mistakes they made 20 years ago and like what they've learned. And one of the things I think is so cool. And this is how I talk about mental performance with like the old school guys. I'm like, you guys were doing mental performance back then period. Like you guys were visualizing, you guys were pumping each other up. You guys were kind of breathing, but you just didn't really like have a label for it. And also it might've taken you 20 years to figure it out. What we're trying to do is help to disseminate all of that and try to help these guys figure it out in a couple years, right? Give them the tools that they need to help them stay even longer, right? We're trying to, we're trying to expedite that process and not have them only learn from experience alone. Like, yes, experiential learning is unbelievably key and important, but we can expedite that by being proactive for some of these things. And even if we're planting seeds and then they experience it, then they're a step ahead because they knew it was coming, you know? Um, but the the FDNY it's so funny because at first I was like really intrigued with how many skills were going to transfer over and if any of them, and it's the exact same thing. Like, and you talk to them and they're like, I could never be on a baseball field in front of 60,000 fans swinging a bat. Like I would be crapping my pants, you know, I'd be freaking out. There's no way I could do this. And then you talk to baseball players and they're like, you can pay me a million dollars to run into a burning building, you know? So it's like this mutual respect of two completely different worlds who are still faced with insane amounts of stress. And obviously one potentially could be life and death, but one also is like your career and, and all this stuff. So it's, it's so interesting. It's like high stress, high focus demands, um, intense breathing necess- necessities in, in, especially in the fire department world. 
Um, and, and then utilizing pauses and slowing down and realizing like, actually the thing to do isn't to speed up and go as fast as you can. If I slow down, I can actually probably get it done even quicker. Um, because I'm, I'm with my mind. I understand what I'm going through. And so it's been really cool. We've done a lot of workshops out at the rock in New York, which is like buildings that they actually like set on fire and do like fire. And I'm like right behind them and watching the hose. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like, it's so cool, but um, just amazing how open they've been to it. That's kind of been the biggest thing for me is I, I thought for sure it'd be like, uh, whatever, but they were like almost every single one of them. And they kind of handpicked the people who go there. They're the really awesome, like stud firemen and firewomen up there doing good work. And so it, it was such a cool experience, but it's a lot of the same skills that we're using in professional sports. And, and I think that kind of sums it up nicely in that it's not just professional athletes, it's people. And like, we're all performers in every single aspect of what we do. You know, we, if you're a parent, if you're a spouse, if you have a job, you are performing in some way, shape or form. So what are you doing for that? Like, how are you managing your stress? How are you handling your confidence? How are you staying calm under pressure? Whatever it is. Um, and I think that's why we can all benefit from it. And that these guys were no different. So it was really cool work and some of my favorite memories. And I still, I get to go a couple, two or three times a year still and do work with them. And it's always a blast. So. No, I love that. Yeah. It, it, it's human. Like, again, it's, it's parents, it's every human on the planet. It's like, if, do you want the best out of yourself or like, have you even asked questions about how you handle stress and anxiety or the kids screaming or again, a fire? Cause like, that's, that's something I, I just started getting into is coaching firefighters. And I've seen really cool results as far as like the use of their oxygen tank. Cause they have that cool metric of like yeah. who, who burns through their tank the fastest. Yeah. And, uh, but like, it's still, how do I approach stress? Cause like uh, stress is the part of the human condition. It will, totally. it will all, it'll stress and struggle will always be part of the human condition. So, okay. Why should, why should I not get better at this? Like, if not, it's just, I'm going to continue to just be, I guess, a victim of stress or physically imposed or scared. And like that limits my life experience and all these things, or like potentially the availability as a parent. Cause I like, again, I, I know breathing, but like one of my buddies, he has triplets, God bless his soul. But, um, he just had one of his sons was in the hospital in the ICU and they're born premature, not too much information, but he, uh, and so the the hospital has these stressors for them because they've been there and they've ex been exposed to that. And then he was basically articulating to me that like, hey, I started doing some of the breathing stuff and it was like connect, like it, it, it basically it affected the kids. Everybody was calmer. My wife was calmer. He goes, he goes, this makes the most sense to learn how to handle scenarios like this so that, again, my kids can learn how to handle stress because they learn what you teach them. And even if that's just like, uh non-verbal communication that kind of thing like boom i think it's just so yeah. incredibly in, so incredibly powerful and then obviously like i love the first responder world and the military world because i think one just the cost is so much higher and the, the hearts and the humans are uh i don't want to knock the athletes but just it's just it's just so cool to have them articulate gratitude or to show interest because you know they're just trying to like do their job and like sit, help people and i just think one kind of the running theme on here because I I love talking about help and support because I just think people like the whole goal is just to share as much as possible. That's why I love podcasting and things like that, where it's like help and support are not yours to keep. Mm. Don't hoard it, share it. And like you look at football and baseball culture and that kind of thing. It's not like, how can I get an edge and hold on to it? It's like rising tide lifts all ships. 
you can do the same thing as a coach. Like, like you're just trying to help everybody like big, big hearts versus the world concept where it's like, like, like it makes logical sense. Cause the tactics of having like what you're doing, the, the knowledge that you're doing is sharing it so that everybody can improve. And I just think that's kind of at the end of the day is like, I think that's a massive element of human happiness is yeah. being able to sh- share the experience with more tools to be more capable and resilient so that life can be what you want it to be. Yeah. I think, I think we, as a, like a mental performance world as a whole has been really bad about that. And like sharing stuff because people like, you know, figure something out and like want to hold it close. And like, this is my way of doing it. But the reality of it is we're all doing the same things. We're just doing it in different ways. And so, um, somebody a long time ago, gosh, challenged me. Cause I was kind of in that mindset. Cause that's what I had heard all my mentors doing, you know? And I was like, okay, I'm not going to share. And he was like, I would actually challenge you to do the opposite. I would actually challenge you to share more and see what happens. And that kind of helped inspire mental sweat Mondays and, um, kind of been amazing ever since. Like, I'm not, I mean, I'm not like down here giving away exactly what we're doing with the Texas Rangers or like my core philosophy, like what I'm like on a one-on-one session, here's exactly what I do, you know? Um, but it's still giving tidbits and people are taking it and running with it and implementing it in their own way and like doing stuff for them with that. And I think, I think the more we can talk about mental performance and put it out there, the more regular it's going to get. And the more people are going to realize, wait, we need this. And this is what we want. And, and, not simply not, not just mental health, but mental performance too. Um, and making it its own entity and, and have a spot at the table, um, both from a coach's standpoint and a player standpoint, like you're not going to be your best without it. So start implementing it now, you know? No, I completely agree. And then those of you listening, uh, that's how I found Hannah. Actually, her mental slip Mondays are juicy. They're super fun. <laughs> um, great questions, great tools, great skills. Um, show her socials and everything will be linked in in the the show notes and those kind of things. But just to to wrap it up, to be cognizant of your time. Uh, last question, because uh, we started off kind of heavy, we'll end kind of heavy. Just the best advice that you give or that you've been given. Ooh, um, the best advice I've ever been given is going to be from my dad. Um, from a very young age, he told my brother and I two things. One, do what's right and do the best that you can do. And it was like, if you do that, then everything, like pretty much nothing else matters. And so I've always kind of held that close to my heart. Um, make sure you're doing the right thing and doing it as best as you possibly can. And the rest kind of takes care of itself. Um, the best advice I would have for somebody is probably my saying that I have written on my mirror and it's be bold. Um, Mm. and I don't know if that's a female thing. I don't know if that's an athlete thing. I don't know really where that came from, but I know when I'm bold, I never usually regret it. Like, it's always like, can I be shy here? What do I do? Do I stand back? Do I say something? Do I post this? Do I not post this? Do I take this challenge? Do I not? And it's like, dude, be bold. Like you only get this life once. And like, usually nine times out of 10, the boldness works out. And sometimes it doesn't. And that's okay. Because I was open and honest with an opinion. It's picking and choosing your moments, of course. But nine times out of 10, I'm like, just be bold, like go do it. So that would be my advice. Be bold. Uh, I absolutely love it. I I, I think that because you're kind of be bold counterbalances some of the human negativity and the fear and the self-doubt that does show up. So it kind of embodies a lot of what you do. And then totally, I, I think the, your dad's recipe for do right and do your best. Cause I, I can't, another theme on the podcast is kind of like, if you can control, if you give full effort, like it limits regret. Cause like, if you totally. don't have to look back, if you don't have to look back, like, and one of my other buddies that was on here is like, if you make effort, like a control and not a variable, like 
let, like, you don't have to look back and say, was I trying? Did I do enough? Was I learned? But no, like I gave my best and I lost. I can, I can sit with that L uh, as opposed to like taking an L and not knowing if I gave everything, then same with doing right. Like if your character, like you always did the right thing, you don't have to look back. Oh, did I, was I mean? Was I spiteful? Was I vengeful? Anything else? I just think the more we can li- limit regret and not live in the past. And like, I just had Ryan Shazier on here and he had an awesome analogy where it's like the, like life is supposed to be lived out of the, the windshield, not the rear view mirror. And like there, those sizes are comparable. Like literally that's how much space you should give to the past. Oh, and, and then I, I, I always, I love the book stumbling upon happiness where it basically de- demystifies from psychology standpoint, how bad our memory is. And so it's like, we can't even look at the past accurately. Like it's mm. handcuffed, it's handcuffed by vocabulary. It's all these things, but really then the day live in this small window of life, short-term memory is a superpower. And hopefully if you're doing right and doing your best and being bold, like life will take care of itself. You're, yeah, I like to think so. So far, so good. Stay tuned for the next 50 years, but <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. And, and at least stay tuned for the, uh, the mental sweat Mondays, but, yeah, uh, exactly. what, thank you so much. You're an absolute stud I appreciate your time and your wisdom. It was awesome. Of course. Thank you for having me. Great conversation. Yeah. Uh, where can everybody find you before you get off here? Then it'll be in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, just Hannah Huseman. Um, Instagram is Hannah Huseman and Twitter, I think is Hannah underscore Houston or something, but not, not too hard to find. Just search mental sweat and you'll find it. (laughs) Boom. Let's go. (laughs) Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Hey everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Hopefully you're getting some value or at least some entertainment and juice out of it. If you are enjoying the podcast, please don't hesitate to subscribe on YouTube, Apple podcasts, Spotify, everything you can find. All the support and interaction is greatly appreciated. Thank you for all the support and have a day.